Each pore fights the river cold. Bones stiffen, locking my limbs. Feet on stones feel for ridges and ribs. The slide shift to one bit of sand, and hurrah for me, I can stand. Hello, says the slow but steady flow. Hello, I say, wary now, knowing how it fills the fields and leaves a layered skim of grey silt. An excerpt from River Talk by Siobhan Campbell from the Empty House Anthology. I'm Orlin Eagle, and this is From the Roots. Originally, today's episode was going to be concerning nitrogen fertilizers, but given recent events, I wanted to discuss the issues of flooding and river management. This is a complex topic, so despite the fact that this will be a shorter episode than usual, there's still a lot of further reading in the source list, which you can find on fromtheroots.com. On the 18th of October, the Irish Meteorological Office, Met Aaron, issued an orange weather warning for some parts of the country ahead of Storm Babbitt, but very few people could have predicted the scale of flooding that would hit towns in Cork. It has raised a number of questions in the media in the past week on the effectiveness of the weather warnings, on flood preparedness by county and city councils, and the need for increased adaptation and mitigation as the effects of climate change make themselves known. The town of Middleton in Cork was one of the worst affected. Videos circulated on social media of floodwaters so deep that small cars were floating. Hundreds of homes and businesses were damaged. Other towns throughout the county dealt with differing levels of flooding and road closures. Cork City Centre and South were included as well, though flooding along the Lee has become commonplace enough that this received less online attention. The climate conversation on flooding often gets bogged down, if you'll pardon the pun, in whether scientists can conclusively prove whether an individual extreme weather event was caused by climate change. That argument misses the point, since the issue is of trends over time rather than specific storms. That said, sometimes the focus on the big picture climate conversation can distance people from what can be done on the ground. Outside of pointing to the most recent set of floods as another illustration of just how seriously people need to start taking the need to reduce emissions, it doesn't necessarily connect with anyone who doesn't have that kind of influence day to day. Part of climate adaptation isn't just trying to stop things getting worse, it's also adjusting to things that have already changed. Ireland is no stranger to flooding. This is a famously rainy country, so why have we found ourselves so consistently underprepared for these kinds of floods? We have the changing climatic conditions, which means that we're getting more extreme weather events than before, but also the landscape that weather is colliding with is measurably different than previous decades. The Central Statistics Office released figures on changing land use in Ireland that shows a 16% increase in settlements and other artificial areas between 2000 and 2018, and a 4% decrease in inland wetlands in the same period. More hard landscaping, meaning the use of impermeable materials like tarmac and concrete, gives water less places to go. Reductions in wetland, which obviously hold the most water, exacerbates this problem. There's a certain level of this that's common sense. Water has to go somewhere. If it's met with hard infrastructure that pushes it onwards, then it goes there with greater volume and greater speed. Speed is one of the things that determine how dangerous a flood is and how effectively it could be responded to. 
This is where the debate around dredging and riparian vegetation comes in. There are three terms you'll hear used in the conversation about river management in Ireland. Dredging, vegetation removal, and either bank straightening or canalisation. Dredging is the removal of sediments and debris from the bottom of lakes, rivers, harbours and other bodies of water. If not interfered with, then silt naturally builds up over time, either shifting the direction of a mature river, filling lakes, reshaping bays. However, where there are human activities, like say a commercial port, dredging is necessary in order to keep the water deep enough where the harbour has been built. It also increases the speed of the water moving downstream in a river system. Riparian vegetation just means all the trees and plant life on the banks of a river. Straightening the course of a river is called canalization because it makes a river more like a canal. This alters the banks and also increases the speed and potentially the depth of water in that river. Dredging, canalization, and excess vegetation removal in regards Irish rivers have been criticized by ecologists like Will O'Connor of Ecofact, Professor Simon Harrison of UCC, and Professor Mary Kelly Quinn of UCD, as well as most Irish environmental NGOs. The focus of those criticisms is sometimes on the damage that these works do to the health of river ecosystems and the surrounding landscape. But equally, many of them point out that it just doesn't work as advertised. Technically speaking, there's no one body responsible for Irish rivers. There's the Office of Public Works, local authorities, Waterways Ireland, Inland Fisheries Ireland, the National Parks and Wildlife Service, and the Local Authority Waters Programme. When it comes to drainage and flooding, however, we're primarily dealing with the Office of Public Works, or OPW, and to a lesser extent, local authorities. It all comes back to the Arterial Drainage Act of 1945, which places the OPW and local authorities as responsible for thousands of watercourses across the country. The purpose of this act in the early days of the Irish state was to drain land for mostly agriculture, but also development purposes. It's referred to throughout the bill as land improvement, which was the prevailing attitude towards wetlands and marginal land until quite recently, so that's understandable. What might surprise people is just how much of what the OPW do is still mandated by this original 78-year-old bill. While there have been amendments over the years, the underlying focus on draining and dredging and seeing vegetation as an impediment is built into its structure. Most of the amendments, like one in 1995, just refocus the purpose of OPW's management as less for the maintenance of agricultural land and more the protection of property. There isn't a clear proviso in this bill for what happens if it's discovered that the entire approach isn't working. That's what people don't realise. The OPW is mandated to continue with actions that might be scientifically unsound as current law stands. When removing what the OPW terms choke points, they do prevent small-scale flooding upstream. However, by removing all of them, the water simply moves faster, so when a bank is burst, it's burst far more dramatically. Environmental journalist John Gibbons wrote this week, If we prevent rivers from spreading into their natural floodplains during times of flooding, and if land management practices are degrading the ability of our uplands to retain rainfall, the water is instead being pushed downstream with entirely predictable consequences. The drainage of bogs and wetlands and the improvement of lands, as well as allowing housing to be built on floodplains, is picking a fight with nature, and it is a fight we will lose every time. Hard engineering forms of flood defences may be necessary in some places, in particular coastal areas facing erosion and sea level rise, but it's not a sustainable answer to urban river flooding. The focus needs to shift from keeping water out to finding places for water to go. 
Anyone who spent time around the Shannon knows that there are pasture fields used for grazing in the summer that are completely underwater for three months at a time in the winter at least. It's not only possible, it's obvious and necessary that compensating farmers on these vitally important floodplains through the various agri-environmental schemes makes more sense than canalizing watercourses until they burst into towns and cities further downstream. Next week, I'll be getting back on the schedule of topics I've mentioned before, but it felt necessary to interject with a shorter episode to provide some context for the ongoing conversation in the current news cycle. Thanks for listening. From the Roots podcast is not associated with any groups, and any opinion which inevitably shapes the information provided is entirely my own. It's published under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial 4.0 International Public License. Thank you.